0: Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Ben, this is Trent, and we're recording live at the Smoked Barbecue Co. Grand Opening Weekend. family hope you're well wherever you are and you got that thin blue smoke rolling this is episode 123 of the smoking hot confessions barbecue podcast and as i just said at the top of the show it's very exciting i've got trent barrett here from smoked barbecue co and this is the grand opening weekend of his new shop here on the Gold Coast. But before we get into that, I've just got a f- couple of announcements that I need to run by you. First of all is that we do still have our free mini ebook available for you on the website. It's the Beginner's Guide to Real Barbecue. So if you're just at the start of your journey, make sure you head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com, have a bit of a click around, bit of a scroll around. A pop-up is going to pop up and it's going to uh, ask you to enter your details and we'll shoot that mini ebook straight out to your inbox. Next, we've already locked in a couple of businesses that we're going to be partnering with over the next couple of months. Um, The first couple of weeks are already filled out, so if you are still looking to get your barbecue message out to raving mad barbecue fans, hit me an email pretty quickly, ben at smokinghotconfessions.com. Otherwise, you're going to be booking a couple of months out. So if you want to get in soon, make sure you get in soon. And the last one, if you're watching this video on Facebook, make sure you give us a like and a share. If you're on YouTube, give us a subscribe, a follow and hit that little notification bell so you get reminded each time we upload another video. If you're on Instagram TV, give us that little love heart and uh, the the follow as well because we do love those cute little love hearts. And if you're listening on a podcast app, make sure you give us a five-star rating and review because that really helps the robot overlords tell everybody else that this is a good show and that they should watch it too. All right, so... Let's talk about today's episode. So we have a we have Trent from the husband and wife team, Trent and Cassie, who've just opened a family store here on the Gold Coast, Smoked Barbecue Co. And it's the Gold Coast's first dedicated low and slow barbecue shop. So that's really exciting. So without further ado, we'll be right back.
1: This is the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions Barbecue Podcast with your host, Ben Arnett. How long's it been since your last confession?
0: Alrighty, family. So here we are. We've got Trent from Smoked Barbecue Co-Man. How are you today? Yeah,
2: really good. Thank you.
0: How are you? Good, mate. I am excited to be here and I'm really excited for you as well. This is the grand opening weekend.
2: Pretty exciting. I think I'm more excited to have you here, to be honest.
0: (laughs) That is very, very kind of you.
2: All
0: right. So tell me, first question I ask everybody, what was the last thing that you barbecued?
2: Last thing was brisket. Brisket.
0: Brisket. Very nice. Okay. So give us a rundown. How did you do it?
2: Uh, that was a new trial and error. Of, uh, so, having a chef background, trying to layer uh, quite a few flavours into this one. So, uh, it was a four, four layer of uh, different rubs and on the offset for about four and a half
0: hours and then wrapped and finished off. Yeah, Very nice. Sounds delicious. Can you tell us what those four rubs were? Or is that a secret combination?
2: Uh, no, I can. was. Funnily enough, uh, Three Little Pigs Touch Cherry is um, my base. The Deep southeast Sweet Meat in the middle. Um, the Choco uh, – the, sorry, the Hardcore Red and finish with the Hardcore Black. So,
0: oh, interesting. Yeah. So – Did the bark come out kind of a reddish color? Like, did did the red bleed through, or did it just come out black? Yeah,
2: pretty black. A little bit of a red speckle to it. It's actually pretty interesting. So, oh, nice, very nice. On the slice, it it did have the the black and red. So, it's pretty. Ah, so good, so good.
0: Now you've got quite the quite the range of barbecues here. But my question is, what is the barbecue that you've got at home that you cook on at home?
2: Uh, It's a custom offset actually built by a friend of mine. So, yeah, a little bit different. But Offset's definitely my go-to and in the process of Boss Barbecue uh, being finished off to come to home. So that's been the the long-term goal for quite some time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mate, that sounds delicious. Yeah. So tell me about it. How did you get into uh, Low and Slow Barbecue?
2: Low and Slow came through from my chefing background and meeting and working under uh, my long-term mentor who's US-born. Uh, so from that came a weird and wonderful Christmas in July with candied yam pies, green oh, bean casseroles, whole so um, deep fried turkeys, lots of weird and wonderful things that I've never heard of before. So uh, it was good to be a part of that. After trying that, kind of blew my mind, and then it was a trip back to the states, obviously to Kansas, uh, where the, the wife's from, um, and that changed the game for me. For me, it kind of ruined everything of my favourite meat here in Australia. Um, <laughs> and especially being a chef, that was a pretty big call. So uh, that started the journey to want to be able to recreate and eat meat like I did over there, putting on four and a half, five kilos in three weeks. So um, that's where it began,
0: yeah. Cool, yeah. Now, I, I was going to ask about that now you, because you did just mention that your wife is from Kansas City. So has that, has her background kind of influenced what you're doing?
2: Uh, most definitely, yeah. Yeah. Um, Certainly runs yeah, strong in the family. Uh, eating over there at uh, some amazing restaurants, starting at KC Joe's and you know a few other um, pretty special ones. But I think yeah, I'd heard about KC Joe's for a long time, so it's to, to finally get there and see it. Just how it worked on mechanics from the lineup to the functionality. Obviously, being a chef, that kind of stood out to me. Um, you know. No bookings, limited seats, but it just turned itself over. Uh, It was pretty mind-blowing, and that was before getting to the food. Um, So, yeah, I think every question every day was, can we go back and have barbecue? So, uh, yeah, it changed the game, really. Big influence. Um, And I've always been passionate, super passionate about food, meats. Uh, My dad was a butcher for most of his life, so grew up with uh, good meats and a lot of tuition on breaking down bodies and special stuff. Um, and it's been a big part of my passion throughout my chefing career. So it's, this is um, the ultimate chance to combine both my passions uh, in life and do it every day. So Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Now just, just looping back to Joe's, did you get to go to the original one where you go down underground under the, the gas station? Not
2: yet, no. That is on the list. So that's the, the one that um, we're aiming to get to next. Unfortunately, we couldn't make it. A funny story. If we brought Cass in here now, but we won't do that. <laughs> um, but no, next best. is still KCs, but um, yeah, the other one I, I certainly love as well. So there's a couple of other you know more modern ones there now too, which were, were great to try. But um, yeah, I think KCs was was the standout for me. So
0: yeah, there's a few yeah. um, there's a few barbecue joints that are going quite upscale now over there. It's uh, like barbecue's yeah. becoming fine dining.
2: Yeah, like really modern fit-outs. Like, I mean, I think that's why I really appreciate the, the KC Joe's uh, fit-out. So I think real homely barbecue kind of feels like, I suppose, over there. Um, and then the, the more modern ones just didn't have the same feeling. The food was awesome. But, hmm. um, yeah, completely different atmosphere, I suppose. So, yeah. But, um, yeah, from the fit-out, to just too, a bit too modern. Uh, I got a tour through the kitchen, which um, was was pretty awesome on the – You know, on the whole setup from start to finish, but um, very modernized compared to to KC Joe's. So, I think I'll stick with the KC's.
0: Yeah, Yeah, when we were there, we got to go to a couple of different ones. We went to um, to Plow to Slaps, and to uh, and and to Joe's, the garage. Yep, and it was funny that was because the the older the style, um, fit out of the restaurant, the more barbecue it felt like it, it felt. Nicer, it felt better. At, yeah. You know, like I just basic tables, butcher's paper across the table, slap yeah. it down and hook it, into it.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. It was, um, I don't know, the food tastes better um, in that kind of setting, 100%. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, so tell us a bit more about your, your chef background. How did you get into chefing?
2: Uh, it's, I was pretty fanatic about food since a young age. I was always in the kitchen cooking with. Dad, mum, my nan <clears throat> kind of started there. was a very avid cook, so baking tea cakes and roasts and bits and pieces. Um, that's where it kind of started. It was always in the blood. Did a few things um, before that and went out a whim and bought my own restaurant, cafe. Um, probably looking back uh, well before the time that I should have done that. But um, <laughs> I like to bite off more than I can chew sometimes and figure it out backwards. So uh, great learning and then... Um, yeah, knocked over an apprenticeship. Um, found a really good good chef who's been a long term mentor to work under for my apprenticeship, um, and blossomed from there. Just just loved it. So um, on the coast for a while, at a few different different restaurants, glass, and uh, a few others up here trying to push the bar, and um, then joined QT Hotels about nine years ago, and the star of the show there um, was the whole pigs. So it was pretty cool. Nice. Yeah, no one. When I really had any idea uh, how to cook them, and I'd only done a few my other half of my family's kiwi, so I'd had a few hungies over time, but still nothing compared to using a gas oven and chipped away at it every week, you know so going through three, six bodies a week and um, yeah it just became uh, an art and something I loved and off we went so yeah.
0: right, so were they smoker ovens or were they just gas assist ovens? No
2: gas assist, so yeah. we had uh, another pizza oven which was gas and wood um so that was pretty cool um obviously pizza's a big one but everything from skillets to open cooked pots of lamb shanks in there oh, um, wow beef cheeks even uh confit duck doing it a different way in a in a wood-fired oven so playing around with different ways to take um i suppose technical dishes and um change the game a little bit so have a bit of fun with with wooden fire so
0: yeah, beautiful. That's what it's all about, yeah. Now, I, I understand that you have a bit of a connection to, to Fire Door, a bit of a, a seven degrees of separation type uh, type connection. Tell us about that.
2: So it was my long-term mentor, uh, US-born chef, uh, George Francisco. So that's where I started with that QT Hotels. He started Fire Grill, uh, which was kind of the original concept along the lines of Fire Door many years ago, um, which was a big hit in Sydney um, and started working under him. Um, Got to work in a few different places with him and his connections to Fire so that's kind of what relates there. Um, But, yeah, that's kind of where it started for me with charcoal, wood, fire, uh, obviously cornbread, the marshmallow pies, the candied yams, the green bean casserole, um, and off it went from there. So, yeah, but I worked under him for quite some time and took over... uh, from him which I was lucky to do down in the Hunter Valley for, for the last five and a half years um, and looking after a couple of hatted restaurants which was, yeah. Uh,
0: Did you say a couple of hundred
2: up? restaurants? A couple of hatted, hatted oh, restaurants, had- oh, okay.
0: yeah. So, I thought you said a couple yeah. of hundred like he like no. was some district manager or something else. No, like, no, no,
2: no, definitely don't want to do that, <laughs> no. So I was looking after, yeah, f- uh, quite a big property um, yeah, down in the Hunter Valley for a while. So um, before that, Port Douglas, obviously um, – I was only meant to be away from home for a couple of years, and ended up nine and a half years. And I've only been back here a month, and here we are. So in the last four weeks straight, um, building this. So.
0: Yeah, we can certainly relate to that. My my wife went to Korea for one year to teach English, and 17 years later, she's she's now living in Australia. So uh, we can certainly understand yeah. how plans kind of kind of take a bit of a left turn yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so it's what, what do you think were some of the biggest lessons that you learnt working um, in your in that? Uh, Fire based restaurant down in Sydney?
2: Um, I suppose disciplines, appreciation for where food started, um, the indifferences in modern, modernised, you know, just where the world's gone compared to uh, how out of touch I think uh, people can get when that's just not a part of normal life, you know, Um, and it becomes so addictive, so many people in already in the shop over the last couple of days just getting into it wanting to get away from the normal oven just refusing to use ovens anymore and this and that so getting in touch with I think the way it should be um respect for food respect for produce um and not only that right down to woods and like it it goes so deep so that's me I'm really passionate about um I'm a nature freak and a nature lover always had you know our own gardens uh, part of the restaurant where I came from we grow a lot of our own produce and um yeah, this goes on, so, it's yeah, it sits pretty deep deep for me. Um, so more so than just the food, but, yeah, right down to the woods and where things are sourced and, yeah, so sustainability,
0: yeah. Beautiful, man. So what, what do you grow at, at home that you bring into your barbecue uh, sort of uh, recipes and things? Up
2: here uh, – Literally moved, did a, a border crossing in 36 hours to get back here before the border's shut. Oh, right. So I uh, didn't <laughs> even have a house to come to. Um, so unfortunately we don't have a garden up here at the moment. But uh, I'm always growing weird and wonderful things. So from globe artichokes, like just things that are, uh, I suppose, a bit out of the norm, uh, right down to tomatoes. I love veggies uh, in the smoker as well. I'm a bit of fanatic for, for mushrooms. So. Cultivating your own mushrooms and the list goes on and on and on. But um, more weird and wacky things, I suppose, than, than the normal. But uh, I mean, normal things like eggplants and vice versa as well. But um, yeah, it just, just depends
0: you know, what's in
2: season and what I can get my hands on.
0: So. Yeah, some, some fire roasted eggplant is always amazing.
2: That capsicum there, like got a uh, fallback go to. So yeah, but um, different things like even we are playing around at the restaurant with different lettuces. You know, um, things that generally break the rules on, on that kind of cooking. so
0: Yeah. Just yeah, having a bit of fun. Tell me about grilled lettuce, because that that's really sounds like something that just't shouldn't, yeah. shouldn't happen. No, <laughs> it shouldn't.
2: It shouldn't happen. Um, a, a good sniff of that is on the, the new Netflix series, I suppose. Um, you'll see that, but uh, baby cos, so taking actually whole baby cos, breaking them down to just the hearts and fire roasting those. Playing around with wrapping them, unwrapped, charring them, blowtorch, marinating, unmarinating um, some things along the line of, I suppose, kimchi, and then fire roasting that. Yeah, just playing around, trying to break the mold on, um, yeah, on things which is hard as a chef. It's a chef's dream to be creating something new is virtually impossible in the chef's world. So, yeah, trying to uh, come up with something different.
0: Yeah, beautiful. So, so what would be some of the more, um, more original, more creative dishes that, that, that you've come up with uh, d- doing all that kind of different fusion-y type stuff you've been into? Um, a
2: lot of them are well, different, like a lot of meat-based stuff with, I suppose, a bit out of the norm things that we'd be using, suppose low and slow, like uh, venison, whole venison legs, which is, um, you know, a little bit out of the norm. Um, These days I've seen lately a couple of whole whole beef shins and stuff like that, but, yeah, big whole venison legs. Um, We're a cracker, so on the bone, taking them off, rolling them, stuffing them, um, Mm -hmm. playing around with smoking those and uh, seeing how they go. Um, Right down to the likes of quail, quail eggs, duck, um, a lot of my my favourite kind of proteins, and uh, seeing what results come. Just trying new things.
0: Yeah, I've I had, I've never actually tried doing uh doing low and slow deer myself. Do you find that it's <laughs> that it's a bit lean for traditional low and slow style? Like, do you have to sort of yeah. take the temperatures up a bit more, or yeah, how do you? Uh,
2: up in the beginning, so I felt well. What I found was pretty good. Was up in the beginning. Um, I suppose similar to the cooking process in a commercial kitchen, sealing it, um, so to speak, mm-hmm. and then dropping the temperature. Obviously, wrapping those, and you know what I, I like: red wine, Worcestershire, herbs, butter. Um, good mix and then, yeah, back in and, uh, and let it do its thing. Come out nice and tender. Um, pretty much nearly in line with lamb shank tender. So it was pretty, oh, okay. pretty amazing, yeah. So, God, that
0: sounds delicious. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah no, a bit of fun. Yeah. yeah. So,
0: so as a chef, why do you think that there's this current resurgence um, of live fire cooking in fine dining situations?
2: Yeah, it, it's made a massive um, boom, especially over the last – I'd say twelve, eighteen months. Um, I mean, on Nelly uh, Restaurant, in Brisbane, that an offer an opportunity to come up there for literally no electricity, just wood charcoal. Bam! Oh wow! Um, yeah, and now there's quite a few of those cropping up. So, I think it's we've gone that far away from it. It's something new and exciting, but. It's from the dawn of time as well, so I think it means a lot to people and uh, I don't think it's a fad. I think it's something that we should have uh, a lot more of and chefs are just getting so innovative with it. Like, it's absolutely amazing. You know, fire door list goes on, 22 Agnes in Brisbane, uh, just some amazing stuff. Um, Genius Binds, using what we use at the dawn of time, I suppose. So, yeah, and with it um, comes excitement and a lot of chefs, I suppose, um, really never get the opportunity to cook. With fire and charcoal, it's commercial, you know, gas stoves, big ovens. Um, certainly a, a labour-intensive job, and and I suppose the the fire, the wood, the charcoal is bringing fun back into kitchens and a difference um, instead of just pot pan, turn your gas on, you know, this kind of thing becomes um, uh, certainly repetitive. You
0: know. I was going to ask about the about the theatricality of it, about the. The, the visual appeal of that, of that live fire. I went up to, um, to Cairns two years ago yep. and uh, there was a, it was a work thing and they, they took us out to dinner and it was to a steakhouse and it was just a giant uh, charcoal grill and uh, all, all on wood on logs and the yep. steaks were all grilled over, over the, over the yeah, burning yeah. logs and it was all behind a big glass window so everyone could see everything. So oh. it, it, is there a certain element of, of theatre the to it that's, yeah. that's appealing?
2: Definitely, 100%. Um. I suppose similar to, you know, things Heston Blumenthal does and, and that, but now, you know, that's not getting old, but in a sense this is a, a whole new spin on that kind of theatrics that's I think even more exciting. Um, people love that and they love being able to see something that they've never seen before, especially in a restaurant. You go to a restaurant, you sit at the table, your meal comes out, off you go. You know, So that's kind of, again, breaking the norm, just not in the kitchen for chefs and the evolution of learning for young chefs and getting in touch with um Wood charcoal and a different way of cooking um, but for the customers yeah theatrics people eat with their eyes well before they taste their food um, and that's one thing I, I know a lot about so um, yeah 100% theatrics are a big part of it but you're going to be able to back it up as well so it's you know it's one thing to have a beautiful bit of charcoal come out but you're eating your food and it's, uh, it's not good it's not going to make much difference about theatrics so but uh, yeah that's chef's life I suppose
1: got a project you'd like to work on with the SHC team? Shoot Ben an email on ben at smokinghotconfessions.com and let's have a conversation.
0: All righty, Trent. So now in this segment of the, of the show, we're going to talk about your place now, Smoked Barbecue Co. So this is the grand opening weekend. How are you feeling? <laughs>
2: I was super nervous and excited at the same time, but... Um, was it
0: kind of like Christmas morning? It like? was, in a, yeah,
2: yeah, in a, in a big way. Um, Had days of just sheer terror and nerves and then <laughs> days, days of just um, super excited, uh, I suppose, putting it all on the line to do something you're super passionate about. Um, yeah, business is a big risk either way. But, um, but that all, I mean, it took all of you know, 20 minutes after the door's opened to just be at peace and feel the best I've felt in years with um, the first couple of customers and the, the joy that the store's bought to have a hub, to have a little bit of background with food and, and cooking, um, and it's just blossomed over, well, it's not even three days, um, to, you know, over 100 people in, That the feedback's just been amazing. So I think more so than opening the doors and putting a little bit of money in the bank after... Uh, like six weeks of, of uh, <laughs> oh, sheer terror. Of all the
0: money going out of yeah, the bank. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um,
2: And watching it just go from, you know, and to depleted. Um, so more so than, yeah, making sales, uh, the most rewarding part, and I said that to, to Cassie driving home the first night, was just the warmth and seeing the joy that it brought to people to finally have somewhere to come and... That's why I put all these 20 hours just in this big bench and people sitting around, stools, having a yarn. Um, so it's not just somewhere to come and, you know, grab a few things and off you go. Uh, I want it to be a hub and a bit of a community and a place for people to come in that don't know much, have a chat, open the door, you know. So, yeah, really rewarding.
0: Yeah, sounds good. Now, you've got plenty of room out the back. Are you going to put yeah. some smokers in there and start doing some uh, – some 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 food they can come in, had grab a brisket burger, grab a brisket, grab a smoker, that sort of thing.
2: We are looking uh, at it, so I've got a few ideas that we want to work on. Uh, cooking school, you know, with with my spin on things, obviously nice. from the chefing background. I suppose a little bit more fusion than, than barbecue. There's um, many better uh, barbecue gurus out there than myself, but uh, yeah, putting a you know that kind of bit of a fusion spin on things and a point of difference, obviously meat and stuff like that, giving people that good education. Um, but we are looking at developing out the back, so um, turning into a more of an area for people to, well, on the quiet, hopefully working with a, uh, a few breweries at the moment to get a cheeky keg in here. People can have a, a sneaky beer. And uh, relax it out the back. We're looking at running a demo smoker on the weekends, um, oh, yeah, yeah. just yep. you know, so people can have a bit of a pick, give food away. Not looking at um, selling cooked meats or anything like that. But long-term goal is to hopefully be able to have that as an addition to this um, if we grow. Yeah. So yeah. I'd love to be able to have this and you know a casual casual outlet for for smoked meats and um, some cool fusion stuff. So
0: yeah. Well, look. Good luck with all that side of things. Yeah, um because I know the you. Gold Coast City Council can be quite uh <laughs> yeah. quite um they set the bar high. Let's just put it that uh, way. They they do, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: So yeah, yeah, that's that's another hurdle, but uh anyway. that's, a, that's a
0: challenge I'll for enjoy another day. Challenge, so yeah, it's all good. Yeah, I look
2: forward to it. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. So tell me how did the idea for the store come about?
2: So uh I told the story earlier with the candy jams and, mm-hmm. and um Deep fried turkey, which was mind boggling. Um,
0: that's, and that's quite dangerous, isn't it? Whole, whole uh, deep fried turkey, uh,
2: extremely dangerous. Uh, yes, yeah, within like a couple of degrees out, and um, yeah, the kitchen's kind of gone. Uh, that's just a fireball, so yeah, it is, but done the right way. And as I said, my my mentor, um, American Chef showed me the ropes and dropping the first turkey into uh. Fifty litre pot of oil is something you'll remember for for a long time. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, and doing it by yourself after being with someone's even worse. But so yeah, that really sparked my interest. Like, and it was just like, is this normal? Are these things normal over there? You know, and um, just completely different to anything here, obviously, which it is. Uh, so yeah, that really that sparked the interest. It was around the same time that I met my wife to be, who again from Kansas City. So. Um, doesn't get much closer than that, I suppose. So, and that's where it started, um, the spark of interest and then back over there for barbecue. was absolutely mind blown Meat's been, you know, such a, a big part of my cooking career, growing up, family, dad being a butcher, and it just changed everything to the point where I enjoyed it so much but it almost made me sad. I was like, we're going to go home and how, how, how can we get this? You know? <laughs> so yeah. it actually started with being inspired, spending like, you know, 16, 17 hours on a plane chipping away at how I can come back here and open a barbecue restaurant. Um, being super busy as a chef, uh, not a lot of time, uh, standard day for me, it was kind of 10 in the morning till 11 o'clock at night, so not a lot of time to be chipping away at other things. Um, kept working on that uh, for quite some time and within that period um, a few on the other side of the country, Sydney, started popping up and I was looking into these guys and seeing the amount of time they've vested going to the States and spending a year, two years, and my appreciation for that was um, just mind-blowing. I know there's been a couple uh, that I've listened to on the show. Uh, And I thought to myself, you know, how wrong. Like, I'd love to be able to do that. Can I? No, I can't. And I thought, it'd be pretty wrong to go and try and do something. To me, that seems like doing it at 50% and not really respect to what these other people are doing and to the barbecue that you want to produce, you know? Um, so it didn't deter me, but it made me just rethink the concept and still my passion. How can I combine them and, and do something different? From that, obviously, um, comes the tale of things are so hard to get. There was no hub. There. <laughs> yeah. You know, I've got friends spending X amount of money on things and smokers and this and no real education no one to really help, Um, and that kind of resonated. Um, I do have a bit of the gift of gab, and when it comes to my passions, um, you know, I don't – I rarely stop talking, so uh, to be able to offer that and come with my background knowledge of food um, and my big passion, I suppose, for food in general, let alone barbecue, um, and put that into something that was new and unique, well, um, just grabbed me. Um, And I sat on that for quite some time. I didn't even tell – My dad or my closest friends, it was just uh, Cassie that knew. And so I've been chipping away at that for, you know, 18 months, two years. And it came to a point where I was pretty sure I was going to be able to make this work. And I remember speaking to one of my best mates up here and I said, I've got this idea, you know, pitched it all to him. And then out of the blue, he said, you gotta be kidding! I just went to a place in Cairns, just like what you're talking about. And I said, "No way!" I've, like I've researched this man. You gotta be kidding.
0: It's Cairns Barbecue Company. Yeah, so yeah, he, right. He True. spends a fair bit of time up there. Yeah, and I yeah, said, Where is
2: this? Are you sure? Like I'm talking about I'm telling him about the meats, and and uh, he was like my long-term mentor um, in chefing. And I thought, this can't be. Uh, I never want to do something or copy. been trying to find something new, unique, and that hasn't been done before. has been like a lifetime goal and yeah, super yeah. difficult to do. So anyway, my heart dropped, got a phone, looked it up. I'm like, no way. <laughs> um, and then I was reluctant to push forward with it because I thought, well, I don't want to be seen as, you know, copying someone else's great idea. Um, but at the same time, um, like listening to Drew's podcast and speaking to other people that are up there, um guy in the shop the other day that used to live in Cairns who knows Drew and Drew used to get this special flower for his wings and just the, <laughs> the, the passion, <laughs> yeah, um, the yeah. passion that I'd hear and everything. I thought, you know what, like this guy sounds awesome. I haven't even had a chance to meet him. So Drew, you know, I look forward to meeting him. Um, and I thought, you know what? Couldn't get any further away from Gold Coast to Cairns, realistically, um, at least in Queensland anyway. Um, and I thought, no, I'm going to push ahead. And not so much just for myself and for my wife, but for the community to give and build something that is so exciting and rewarding, not just for me, but for everyone here on the coast. Um, and as I said before, that's been the most rewarding part so far. So hence here we are. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well, I can tell you for me, it's, it, it's super exciting. I've lived on the coast here for 12 years. And aside from the the big name kind of chain barbecue stores, we've never had a a niche boutique place like this, which is why I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, so.
2: yeah nice. Well, we're excited to have you. So one of my um, my biggest moments I was waiting for you was for you to walk through the door. So um, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty blown away. I'm super stoked. So there you go. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: So I guess then um, you know, you've you've already mentioned Drew Up in Cairns. Um there's of course the um the uh, Cav down in Melbourne with his, uh, w- with his shop down there, yep. Rick with RG in, in, in Adelaide. So there's sort of this sort of concept popping up in different areas and you've told me in, in the past that you were originally from the central coast of New South Wales, yeah. then spent time in the Hunter Valley. Why, why choose Gold Coast and not, say, Brisbane?
2: Well, funny, when I first reached out to you, I'd, I'd done a bit of research and there was a couple of similarities. We've lived in the, the suburb I grew up in. Um, you've lived in. like Wambora, Wambora, Wambora. yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, like Most people don't know Womberall, right? Um, yeah. That was mind-blowing. I was saying to Cassie again last night. But, yeah, grew up on the central coast, um, left there very reluctantly when I was about 12, 13, and came to the Gold Coast. So the Gold Coast has more become home. Um, small family left. It's all here. Uh, As I said, when I went away, didn't expect to be away for nine years. So (laughs) I've been um, super pumped to get to, you know, get back here to the family, to all my mates. um, And this is home. This is where we want to be. This is where we want to have a family and a future. And so to bring it here um, couldn't be any better. When I started researching and and looking um, at the same time, knowing, you know, there's nothing here for people. So... Uh, what an amazing place to to bring this for the community. So,
0: yeah. Fair enough. That certainly makes a lot of sense. Now, you did mention before that you had to rush across the border before the border closes. Oh, uh, yeah. What? <laughs> how? I mean, like you've you've opened a brand new store during COVID. That's yeah. that's very brave. What? Yeah. What? Um, how did COVID change your plans for for uh, for launching the store? Uh, yeah, well, I,
2: there's quite a few stories to how it's changed it. Um, Timing, number one, obviously, for everyone. Um, we are, you know, getting on nearly a month behind our original kind of opening date, but at the same time, all that kind of pen... I'm a big believer in everything happens for a reason and it kind of played out to work out just right for us. Um, in other words, if we had have opened four weeks ago, we wouldn't have had anything. That's how cutthroat it's been. So a lot of the suppliers and suppliers that I did want to use have oh, been... Oh,
0: the, the supply shortages. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so okay. most
2: people um, have literally had zero supplies waiting for shipments to come in. Yeah, right, wow. COVID has um, definitely increased, barbecue sales across the board, um, people staying at home, and that's coming from suppliers that have never run out of stock to being depleted and waiting for shipments to come in. Um, And that goes right down the line, rubs, sauces. Um, It's affected even our meats um, to a degree. So timing-wise, kind of worked out just perfect. We'd just landed most of our gear. You know, in that last week. Um, so, yeah, there's that side. The crossing the border side is a different story altogether. So I was literally at work uh, 6 o'clock at night and my brother rang and, and that's when the, um, the game had just changed up here and, and the Premier had made the announcement about shutting the borders down again but this time not allowing anyone over the border uh, once they were closed. Um, I was mid-plan, I'd already signed a lease on the shop, but wasn't looking at opening for at least two months after that. Um, so in other words, if I didn't get back across the border...
0: You weren't going to get back, yeah. yeah, yeah. No, and
2: no, I've got a, a leased shop with uh, a <laughs> yeah. kind of cutthroat situation. Um, never leave anywhere on short notice, um, especially somewhere, in a, one of the greatest places I've ever worked. Been there for five and a half years and uh, having to ring the owner's middle of service and say, I, I literally can't come back tomorrow. I have to go home and start packing my house.
0: Wow. So you um, had like, like a 24-hour window to get home, pack up, and get over here. So it was
2: a bit under, th- yeah, about 36. Wow. Yeah. Oh. and um,
0: That's got to be stressful.
2: Well, yeah, it was extreme, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know how good my wife is at packing things now. So, um, yeah, so it was literally I didn't finish – Not only that, but a team that i would worked with for most of them four years. Um, Very much a family. So pretty soul-destroying to be saying goodbye to people. So I had to do the rounds, um, let people know. I didn't get out of work till midnight. Um, I'd come home and Cassie had packed up a big chunk of the house. But we literally went right through until 5 o'clock in the morning. had, I think, three hours sleep. Got up and packed all the way till 2 o'clock in the morning. And then in the car and across the border. Wow,
0: that's intense. Yeah.
2: So no house to come to, <laughs> uh, two dogs, two two staffies, one sub- substantially bigger than the other, um, <laughs> in a little Fiesta and um, my truck, uh, pouring down around the whole way with Cassie uh, driving behind me and the size of my wheels and her windscreen wipers don't really go together. So um, <laughs> she wasn't overly impressed with me, so to speak. Yeah, yeah I'll bet. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's COVID for me, yeah.
0: Yeah, fair enough, yeah. So what, what are some of the things that just sort of fell into place, like just serendipitously happened for you when you were getting it set up?
2: Literally, and uh, going back to it, massive believer and everything happens for a reason. And, and I'm talking like nearly every single thing. So I had days where I'm like... This is crazy. Um, And then the next thing that I thought was unachievable would just fall into place. So from building relationships, trying to achieve a vision where I don't want to have every product that's the same as another place to bring, um, you know, creative products, innovative, well-priced that people can buy six different things and taste the difference between them, quality, Um, another huge part to the store which – is super important was Aussie guys and Aussie focus. So one half of of the shop is dedicated to all our Australian guys. Um, So achieving that took some time. In the middle of that, working out budgets and forecasts and everything for the business and figuring out a dollar value for what I had, I funded it all myself and I didn't want to do it any other way. And then when I got to that point, I thought one thing I didn't really think about was a shop fit. And um, so, yeah, pretty stupid, right? And I'm like, shop fit. So I started talking to my dad and he's like, yeah, 25, 35, 40 grand. I'm like, all right, well, that might be the end of that. So <laughs> this was one big one, for example, and I thought, I know a lot of people up here in a lot of different um, industries but don't know anyone shop fitting. Made a call to one of my best mates and within two minutes had a name, ended up on a three-way phone call about half an hour later um, and and there you go next thing um yeah a guy that's just loves wood i wanted to do i wanted to have that feel of wood um mm. obviously relating um to to barbecue and all the rest of it um but just this industrial slash raw organic feel uh to find i'd reached out to a few shop fitters and they're just like we do a plan this is what we do you pay for this you do that and i'm like it's not what i want so i said to cassie i'd I think this is kind of the hurdle that we're not going to get over. Not only that, to do that in a shop fit when I'd completely it out of the budget was uh, difficult. So I'm like, <laughs> this is the, the draw card. And anyway, um, being a great guy he was and a good connection of friends, um, jumped on board and on a pretty tight budget. Uh, the two of us did it ourselves um, yeah, and brought it to life. So things like that. And then that would lead into then timing on – you know, when I could land things or can you know, I get across the border in 36 hours? And literally every single step just kept falling into place. And that's what started to really give me confidence that I'm, I'm, on, a, I'm on the right path. And it's not the answer. And that's, that's certainly not going to uh, mean that, you know, we're going to be successful, but
0: that's a that's good my indicator. Instinct, I go, oh, yeah.
2: So <laughs> yeah. hopefully, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: Now I'm I'm glad that you mentioned the, the product range there because you do have you've you've sort of split the shop into one side imported, one side um, Australian gear. Yep. You've got almost everything from every major Australian player uh, in the barbecue scene here, which is just beautiful that you're supporting the the Aussie low and slow barbecue scene as well. Um, but I can see that that you're also trying to balance things. You've got uh, Napoleons. And uh, and you got you know uh, Camp Chef and GMG and you've yep. you've you've kind of got two two sides of of, of everything there. What yep. how did you go about selecting the the products?
2: So I think the easy way to kind of get my vision across was it, the vision that I wanted was again not all the same things that you can get everywhere else. It's really hard to do so. If I could have had every single thing that you couldn 't get anywhere else, that was what I wanted but it 's not achievable, but to be able to deliver that on as many levels from rubs and saucers through to wood smokers, meats, all the rest of it um, was I did not want to bend from that that was kind of the the middle ground for me and to stick to and that was uh, difficult and it was persistence and uh, no one knew me, you know. It's reaching out, trying to build relationships and let people know my background, my passion, where my wife's from, why we want to do it. Um, and you know what, uh, just blown away the, the amount of beautiful, happy, helpful people um, that helps us get, get to where we are, you know. And um, they're all mostly the Australian guys, you know, well, 98% of them. So um, couldn't thank them enough. But um, what in that vision, what I wanted to do was be able to provide something with that vision and that quality and that uniqueness as much as possible, but still offer the points where a beginner who knows nothing can come in here and spend $300 and they're going to have a product that's quality, that's going to last them. They're going to have some knowledge, some backing, um, someone they can, I tell most people, if you want to ring me, ring me. Cassie had to stop me from putting my mobile number on the cards because <laughs> at the end of the day she's like, you're talking off to put, you know, so but that, that kind of thing where I just think um, I want to do it, it's my passion. So the cross-up of products was bringing what I believe, um, you know, is quality but at an entry level, at a mid-range level and then the duck's nuts like the boss gear um, yeah. and having relationships like this with, um, you know, people like, uh, boss is just next level for me. Mm. Um, being able to cater to all those different levels and that's not just for barbecues, as I said. It's from the charcoal, the wood, um, you know, rod, um, right through to the rubs and sauces. So, mm. yeah, that's, um was, I suppose, the hard push to try and see is this possible to do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: So. I, I was going to bring up the wood actually because you've got basically the, like a smorgasbord of Ministry of Wood products down there, yep. which is just awesome because Rod's been a long-time supporter of, of Smoking Out Confessions as well. Yeah. So I was really tickled to come in here and just see such a huge spread down there. <laughs> so that's, that's really impressive.
2: Yeah, and Rod's um, been one of the greatest helps I've had along the way. Um, yeah, wonderful guy, uh, absolutely loving the bits, uh, loves to come in and sit down and have a chat and, um, which I know he's known for, but no, he's, he's actually just genuinely, um, yeah, genuinely wonderful and, and given a lot of help and, and inspiration. Uh, the product's awesome. Um, I don't think I'd have anything else in here uh, as long as I can get that. Um, so, and not only that, but local, like that was another thing that fell into place. I'm like, I had, and I really, and I'm still trying to figure out how to get, um, natural smoke up here. And I'd, put feelers out to Garden of Smoke and other woods that I believe are of, of that quality. Um, and Russ was another uh, massive one who's, geez, you know, you couldn't get a nicer guy again who's uh, still helping and supporting along the way. And we're looking at, I'm still trying to work on due to shipping and a few other things and COVID um, to get a few of the products in here. Um, but, yeah, the, another thing that fell into place was then finding a rod and, and being like, you know, 15, 20 minutes away. It was just, just in Robina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was, was brilliant. <laughs> yeah. I thought it doesn't get any closer to home and, and the vision that, you know, I'm really trying to push and stick to. It's very easy to get off track with these awesome products that are here, there and everywhere, but I want to stick to trying to be able to support local and, and mm. push that vein, you know, where possible.
1: So, yeah.
2: So here we are.
1: You're listening to the internationally awarded Smoking Hot Confessions podcast with massive barbecue nerd, Ben Arnott.
0: Alrighty, so now we're into the third segment. This is our our lesson sort of angle on the the episode. Now, we've been talking about fine dining and how barbecue is becoming fused with some fine dining traditions. I understand that you've had a bit of experience sort of bringing in some barbecue elements into a five-course degustation. Tell us about that.
2: So, yeah, from the passion that's grown over the years for charcoal and fire and wanting to, I suppose, have that as uh, the main element of my kitchen I really wasn't able to do it in the space that we had in the the age of the building. Um, So trying to get an inbuilt charcoal unit to hopefully do a five or a seven course degustation only cooked over charcoal or elements of wood. Really pushed for that until I think I drove the, the owners mad. <laughs> and they were great. They really wanted it. And we looked at every avenue to, to try and fit this into, you know, a building that's attached to a, a cottage that's like 120 years old. So Wow. So it's like and, a heritage-listed um, building. Heritage-listed
0: property in the Hunter wow. Valley,
2: Yeah. So it was built in uh, 1976 – 1876, sorry. And, um, yeah, kind of risking – a bit uh, burning that to the ground, I suppose. So, yeah, I had to give in at some point. And then the next best was trying to add elements, you know, um, of barbecue, charcoal, wood to, to uh, degustation. So, yeah, so from playing around with different things, um, you know, s- serving um, oysters being cooked on, on their own little bit of charcoal uh, in the shell um, right through to prawns, scallops, scampi, uh, even tickled around with, with a little bit of lobster, um, yeah, white fish. Uh, obviously meats, big part of it. So, uh, wallaby was, um, was a great one. Um,
0: that's interesting. Some, yeah. uh, some, um, indigenous, uh, meats and flavors there.
2: Yeah. So my kind of, uh, I suppose absolute love is Australian natives, which are super underused and a lot of people still don't really know much about them, but, um, you can make meals solely off what grows on our beach shores, um, It's phenomenal. So Sea Grapes was another one done over charcoal. Um, Sea Grapes? Yeah, and I mean you head down some of the beaches nearby here and you'll still find uh, Sea Grapes. Wow. Um, Yeah, pretty cool. A nice lick. Uh, Changes so generally, you know, inside obviously, you know, tastes like the ocean. But – Licked over charcoal, um, changed the flavour of the liquid inside, the sea grapes. Okay. Um, Sea asparagus as well um, was another really good one. Kakala, which is uh, like a beach banana, I suppose, um, um, for the Aboriginals, quite plump and juicy. Again, awesome over charcoal. Um, Yeah, and then uh, Australian meats, and it kind of sounds bad in one sense. At one point we had the whole national emblem on the menu, which I suppose. We we are actually the only country in the world (laughs) that that
0: eats the two animals that are on the national emblem. So there you go.
2: So um, I didn't really think about that until someone said it out loud and kind of uh, got the kangaroo off there pretty quickly. But, um, yeah, the wallaby, um, big depth of flavour, you know, fantastic products and great, just literally uh, lightly salt cured on a salt block and finished straight over a nice little piece of charcoal. Um, So semi-cooked by the time it leaves the kitchen to the table, um, you know, it's kind of that rare, medium rare take on nice thin strips, Uh, the saltiness already from the salt cure or the salt block. Um, And the dynamics of the meat changes so much, obviously, with that charcoal presence. so. Um, yeah, so having a, a good play around with a, a lot of things, some of them that I probably shouldn't be, but that's what I like to do, uh, break the mould. So Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Oh, that, that sort of creativity is is what it's all about. Yeah. So if there were people listening or watching t- uh, this video right now, what would be your advice for those people that want to really put on like a five-course spread at home? So that, let, let's just say they've got one of your uh, Napoleon kettle grills there yep. and some of your B&B charcoal. What would be your advice for putting on a – to really impress their family and friends and do that, do that five-course degustation at home?
2: Well, come on. I mean, hopefully uh, you like meat and seafood. I think uh, a good five-course is a, a good mix for me of meat – Smoked veggies, um, either charcoal licked or smoked, and uh, yeah, so meat, seafood, and veg if you can, break that up. Um, desserts, if you want to go right into it, start smoking some ice cream, uh, yogurts. Um, that's pretty cool, very easy. Um, smoke yogurt, um, turn them into sorbets. A million things to do, but um, wow, yeah, the list goes on and on. I mean, smoke milk, we smoke. Water for ice cubes at the restaurant for the bar. Uh, really? So, yeah, for whiskies and. I was going to ask, is that how you make the cheap whisky sound a bit more, uh, t- <laughs> t- taste a bit more fancy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it could do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yes, it's been
0: aged 150 years. Yeah, there it is. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah, so cool things like that. So, And it sounds a lot more difficult than it is, but it's really not. So, yeah, pick your, pick your proteins, um, mix them with veg, you like a, a bit of a spread. Um and cool stuff instead of it just being on the kettle. Um, I like to take a, a like over the kettle is one thing. Taking charcoal out and literally having it cook on the piece of charcoal is something completely different. Um, Smouldering herbs and things like this that are very easy to do. Um, they light up you know very easy and blow them out and they will smoulder. Rosemary is a really good one for that. Um, under things like. Again, the wallaby, any meats, um, seafood reacts really well to thyme, lemon thyme, just smouldering. Um, really easy things to do. Take a couple of coals out, uh, you know, in a nice on a nice plate or tray, and um, protein straight on top of the charcoal. It's phenomenal. So, um, yes, uh, same thing with little beds of woods or nests. So I used to use a lot of hay, um, and a, a very good chef I used to work with. Um, yeah, his his love for hay got brought into the kitchen. So hay smoked, you know, whether it be chickens and this and that, stock made from hay as well. Um, really, stock cool made from hay. Yeah, hay stock's going to go into different things. Wow, but that's, that's a, interesting. That's a long story. Yeah, it's <laughs> endless what you can do. So that whole fusion, I suppose the the chefing side of me, yeah, um, breaking the mold on things, I suppose uh, a bit broken. Yeah. But yeah, and not hard to get. I mean, sometimes um, we'd. We'd have to go to the local pet shop and buy a bundle of hay, you know, uh, just get a good quality hay. And, yeah, so, like, chicken, um, fish, like, nice light seafoods, scallops, prawns, things like that, literally a nice little bit of hay, uh, some herbs in there, and then a little bit of charcoal straight in, let it do its thing. Um, You'd be amazed. So, yeah. Um, beautiful It's just playing around with things it's um super creative what you what you can come up with
0: so is there a certain like are there certain rules regarding the order that things should be so like do you start light with some with some uh, with some light seafood prawns yeah, and then so. and then maybe two vegetables and then a like a steak and then the dessert like is there <laughs> like a certain formula of progression?
2: Always, yeah, light to heavy and especially I know uh, a lot of people like their wine, right? So um, (laughs) it's uh, always good to great pairings and I suppose that's another thing, you know, um, we used to do pairings with these meals and certain wines – just complement what you've done with a little bit of smoke and charcoal in a dish. Um, That's another whole story. But, yes, light to heavy, so I like to go a little bit of seafood, a light meat, heavier seafood, and then into, like, the venisons and the deep, rich wallabies and things like that towards the end. Um, If you're going to have Wagyu in there, finish on a Wagyu, nice, fatty. Big, rich flavour. Yeah, yeah, that's it, and, uh, you know, and leave that nice coat on the palate to end with. Um, and obviously, yeah, desserts yeah. Uh, coming at the end. So, yeah, some sweet treats in between. Um, we used to call them palate cleansers and, you know, things like that. Uh, you get pretty pretty creative. So we were doing um, like taking different juices, uh, smoking them, and then making granitas out of them. So like oh, wow. smoked apple granita and, um, yeah, like peach. Uh, I've played around dragon fruits, like quite a lot of stuff, um, which, again, it's not, not that difficult to do, granita. Yeah. Um, Nothing hard about it at all. Uh, yeah, so in between the courses, these cool other smoked elements that are not a protein, they're not a vegetable, um, they're just a bit bit of a play and a mind boggle, you know. People yeah, yeah. used to do it at the restaurant and people like, what is this, you know. like This has come from a freezer and it's smoked and it's, you know, it's same as <laughs> yoga, yogurt. like yoga's yeah. an easy one but – you, like for a chef, when you get your head around it, it's like people in a restaurant that are in commercial kitchens like, how the hell do you smoke yogurt? You know? That, that's um, a good question. How the hell yeah. do you smoke yogurt? <laughs> so for me, um, I like to, and you know, it's probably, you know, um, maybe a little bit frowned upon, but for things like that, uh, can be done, I suppose, you know, in a smoker, definitely for home use, if we're getting back to it for people, smoking gun is, um, a fantastic little product, um, getting the right additives to go into it. So I, I use um, this kind of wood chips and mm-hmm. break them down yep. pretty easy, um, and then just a nice, like a real wide bowl, um, so your yogurt's got a good coverage of space for the smoke. Double Glad wrap, little nice little hole for your tube to go in. Um, yeah, light that bad boy up, let it smoke.
0: So it's a it's a cold smoking process. Cold smoking
2: process, yeah, yep. for yogurt, and um, yeah, pull it out. Obviously, let that sit, and your it's. Something cool to watch. You've got, unless you've got loose bladder up or whatever else, obviously smoke will pour out. But even when it's super tight, the smoke will just slowly, you know, over 10, 15 minutes disappear. Um, once that does, it'll start to coat the top of the yoghurt. So after each time it disappears, give it a good mix, um, re-smoke. So generally, depending on the wood you're using, three to six times and you'll have... Super, super tasty smoked yoghurt, yeah. That
0: sounds so good. Yeah. I'd, I, I would never have thought of that before.
2: It's delicious. It yeah, really yeah, yeah. Like even on brachy, um smoked, uh, smoked yoghurt and strawberries and blueberries and things like this is just, yeah, next level, kind of changes the game. So Awesome, yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well,
0: listen, man, that's probably a good point to start wrapping the, this episode up. So I'm going to throw it over to you now. Give some shout-outs to who you want to uh, give shout-outs to, say yeah. thanks, and then tell everybody where they can track down Smoked Barbecue Co. on the internet.
2: Yeah, uh, so obviously the usual suspects, uh, Facebook and Instagram, um, Smoke Barbecue Co., that's uh, as it reads. Um, obviously we are Gold Coast and located in Miami right on the highway, so great end of town. Um, a lot of great locals have been jumping on board to support us and amazed how many uh, people within walking distance um uh, firing up pits, it's been pretty rewarding. Uh, massive thank you. There's a huge list. So, like, obviously, um, Rod, Ministry of Smoke, um, Russ from Natural Smoke. Um, the list goes on and on and on. Um, Rub and Grub, Rubbed Red Raw. Some of these guys have been, like, an inspirational help with motivation and and pushing um to just be like, this is awesome, do it, you know, Uh, even in times where I'm like, I think this is crazy. So (laughs) those guys, and I haven't even met them, honestly, uh, mean so much, Um, I suppose, more than than they'd really know. Uh, Their conversations and their emails and their pushes and their their support and positivity, um, that combined with... My wife and, and my brother um, are what pushed me finally over the edge to take the plunge. So um, Brett from Lane, super supportive. Um, yeah, Napoleon, um, GMG guys have been awesome. And I think the biggest shout-out uh, when it comes to, you know, our, our equipment is to, to the guys at BOSS. Um, Kelly and Clint, uh, just absolutely awesome, amazing people. Um, got to spend a few hours with him today before this. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I just don't think I could be in, in better hands and have better products on the floor, um, and and better people to be trying to showcase to the locals. So, yeah, um, there's probably a list of other people, but yeah, big thank you to to all the ones I've missed. So yeah,
0: beautiful man, beautiful,
2: yeah, easy. So yeah.
0: I, I just want to say thank you for having me in the shop here. Uh, th- no. Thank you for building the shop first of all, <laughs> and <laughs> then thank you for having me here and, yeah. and letting me take up your afternoon yeah. on the grand opening weekend.
2: No, I was uh yeah I said to you the other day, and you're uh, you're more kind of Barbecue celebrity, so seeing you walk in the door was... That's,
0: that's very, very was, generous. Um, yeah, no,
2: no, yeah, in a lot of ways for a lot of reasons. Um, but, yeah, no, I was absolutely stoked to see you walk through the door. Um, mind blown and, yeah, you don't have to thank me. I'm super, super privileged to, to be on here as a as a chef and, uh, you know, my background and just trying to bring my, my passions to life. So, um, yeah, I can't thank you enough. I'm stoked, so, yeah.
0: All so there you have it, folks. That was Trent from Smoked Barbecue Co. We've been here. We've been talking on the Sunday afternoon of the grand opening weekend. There's been people coming and going all day, and uh, it's been uh, actually all weekend. And it's been uh, it's been great to see just how much the community has embraced this shop. So before we go, just to give you a quick reminder, um, if you are looking to to work with Smoking Hot Confessions shoot me an email ben at smokinghotconfessions.com we'll get you sorted out there and I just want to say a quick thank you to everybody who's been a part of this show so far and looking forward to working with more of you again in the future and just last reminder if you are watching on Facebook give us a like and a share if you're watching on YouTube give us a subscribe a follow and hit that little notification bell don't forget that that's the most important part if you're on IGTV give us that cute little love heart I love that thing give us a follow as well. And if you're listening on a podcast app, especially if you're listening on an Apple device, give us a five-star rating and review. It really, um, as I said at the top, it helps the robot overlords know that you like the show and you think other people should like it as well. So that's it from me. I'm going to say once again, thank you to Trent. And until next time, take care of each other and keep on queuing.
1: Thanks for listening to the Smoking Hot Confessions podcast. Head on over to smokinghotconfessions.com for recipes, tips, and Ben's own confessions.